Uh, well, I'm Luke Calvert, and I am the student pastor here at Stones Crossing Church. And uh, as I was preparing this message this morning and thinking about where I would like for us to go, I got, I, I got to thinking about how I got the opportunity to preach the same Sunday in 2019, the first Sunday after Christmas. And after the busy season, after Christmas presents and gatherings last year, I said, you know what, I want to coin this Sunday as Take a Breath Sunday. And I was thinking about in 2020 how maybe every Sunday needs to be Take a Breath Sunday in 2020. But I truly do want to invite you this morning for us to stop and rest in the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That sometimes we need to put barricades up in our life and say, right now, we're just going to rest in the goodness of God. And I know that 2020 has been a year for, uh, for, the, for the, the taking, if you will. And I know it, for some of us, it's not a year we exactly want to remember. But I, as I was preparing the message, I began to get a little convicted. Because I started to think, hmm, what, where did we go last year? What was I doing? And I remember thinking about how Christmas last year was the worst Christmas ever for me. I don't know if you remember me sharing this a year ago, but I was sick as a dog during Christmas. I got COVID before COVID existed, and I was not feeling well. My wife and I went to Florida the week leading up to Christmas, and I was sick. I was in the hotel, and she was out, you know, sunbathing and enjoying her time. And I missed Christmas Eve service for the first time in my entire life. I had to repent for that in front of the church, God, and everybody. And... I remember thinking as I was preparing this message, the truth of the fact is, although I missed Christmas Day, although I missed Christmas Eve service, although I was sick, I began to think I would do anything to go back to that Sunday. I began to think I would do anything to go back to the world around us in December 28th, 2019. Pre-pandemic, pre-racial injustice, pre-chaos, and then I was convicted that, you know what, the Lord has something for us today. And I, I began to miss this, even in preparation for this message this morning, I myself began to miss the fact that the Lord has something for us here and now. And so before we even get into the message this morning, church, I wanted to share that conviction I had for myself. And I'm sure many of us are sitting in that same thought process, that, you know, I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. I remember back in March, it was like, okay, how long will this thing go, right? And then March went, and now summer is gone. Like, surely it's coming, right? Surely it's going to be done here. But the truth is, the fact is, I can't look down a tunnel and see when COVID is done. I can't see when the global pandemic is over. But we can, today, we can sure rest in the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, church, I want to invite us into that this morning. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father God, Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, thank you for sending your Son this Christmas season as we lift high the name of Jesus. And God, thank you so much for sending your Spirit into your church, in through us as your temple, that we worship you, Lord. God, we make high the name of Jesus even in our shortcomings. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we don't get so focused we don't get so focused with our, our current circumstances, we miss what you're doing right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, over the, ca- the last couple of weeks, we've been sitting in this Advent season, right? The Advent season, we were going through this sermon series called The Characters of Christmas. And as we were, we talked about four specific things that Christ Jesus brought with his life. Ministry, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And those things were this. First, that Jesus came to bring us hope. And the Advent candles are going to remind us of that even this morning. That Jesus came to bring us hope. That Jesus came to bring us peace. That Jesus, in his coming, would bring us joy. And the last Advent Sunday night, we, we, we talked about how Jesus brings us love. I said Sunday night because I'm the student pastor and most things happen for me on Sunday nights, okay? So like Mitch the other day, like, good morning, Christmas Eve. Uh, so, but we talked about these things and the last thing we, 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 you know, Pastor Scott spoke about was that Jesus really came to fulfill the law for us. That Jesus came to be, to, to accomplish what no one else could accomplish, Now, to set the stage this morning, we're speaking about the Holy Spirit this morning, talking about what does the Holy Spirit come to do? What does the Holy Spirit accomplish in us? And singing that song, good night, I just thought the message was done, right? Come Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Fill this atmosphere. Man, what else would we want? And so as Jesus Christ came in conquering death and Satan, he's now departing from the earth to bring forth the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to set right in this time period where Jesus is telling his disciples, I must depart. And church, I can only imagine myself being a disciple sitting across the table from Jesus when he tells them that. Wait, 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 we just waited for you for a long time. And now you're here telling us you've been doing your ministry and now you're going to leave? So let's go ahead and sit in that this morning. So if you would grab a Bible or look at, uh, grab the phone app, um, go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word of God if you're willing and able. We're going to be sitting in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11. And if you're anything like me, you can split the Bible in half. You should be in Psalms and head right. You'll, you'll run right into John chapter 16. Uh, if you're using, I don't think we have the pew Bibles out, but if you are, we're in 902. And so this morning we're in John 16, 7 through 11. This is the reading of the word. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. This is the reading of the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So this morning, as we sit in this John 16 passage, I want to give us a little bit of the context in which this passage is taking place, right? That it... it, in John 13 through 16 sits this beautiful part of the, of the Gospel of John called the Upper Room Discourse. And what's happening in the Upper Room Discourse is Jesus is dining with the disciples for the last time before his death, burial, and resurrection. 
And what he does is, I'm going to walk us through each chapter, kind of just a, a highlight of each chapter of what he's doing to prepare the disciples for the coming of his death and eventually the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so in, in chapter 13, in John chapter 13, Jesus begins to wash his feet, you, or wash the disciples' feet. You might begin to remember these, these stories in the scriptures. And as Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, he also calls out the one who will betray him. We remember that as um, Mr. Iscariot, okay, Judas, is going, to, is going to betray Jesus. And Jesus, in chapter 13, as he's dining with the disciples, begins to call him out for what he's going to do. And in chapter 14, one of the most famous verses in John, he says that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the life, that no one will get to the Father except through me. Once again, readying them for who the Messiah ultimately is, and Chapter 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, that you can do nothing apart from me. And I, I, I can only imagine the disciples just sitting across the table like, yeah, yeah, 100%. We're in. You're the way, the truth, and the life. You are the vine and we are the branches. We can do nothing apart from you, Jesus. And then chapter 16 comes and he says, I must depart. I must leave. And I can only imagine sitting in that room thinking, the Messiah Jesus has come and the lame are now healed. The deaf can now hear. The dead in soul are now saved by Jesus Christ. Thousands of people hearing the, wor the word of God through the Son of God. And now you must depart. And Jesus doubles down. He doesn't just say, I'm going to depart. Hold on for a while. I'll be back later. What Jesus does do, he says in, in, in verse 7, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's not just me departing, but it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is setting the stage for the disciples of how important the Messiah must depart so that the Holy Spirit can come. And he doesn't just say it's important. He doesn't say it's going to be good. He says it's to your advantage, church, to your advantage, disciples, that I must depart. So if we first looked, like what, looked at what Jesus accomplishes in him coming to the earth, in, his, in, his, you know, in the manger, in the ministry of Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, and we know that in the Advent season, we celebrate two comings, right? We celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ in a manger, and we celebrate the second coming where Jesus comes to get his church in ultimate glory. And church, I want us to set the stage for us. We sit right now in the in-between of those two things. And right now we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in flesh, and doing and accomplishing exactly what he did. And one day, in Revelation it says, the tears will be no more. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Jesus Christ will return in full. And Lord, I cannot wait for that day. But until then, we must sit in the in-between. And Jesus says, I'm sending you something. I'm sending you the helper. That's greater than I. That, 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 in fact, it's to your advantage that the, the helper comes. And so we must understand who that helper is, what the Holy Spirit does for you and I now. So the first question we asked was, what does he accomplish in coming? And his, he brings hope and joy and love and peace. He fulfills the Old Testament prophets. And now I want to look at this question of what did Jesus accomplish in leaving? 
I think this isn't a question we ask very often. What do you mean what did Jesus accomplish in leaving? We focus a whole month and, and a whole day on the Christ coming. And today I want to finish that Christmas story, if you will, with Christ leaving. Once again, in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I reiterate this verse because, once again, I can't only imagine being so confused, understanding that Jesus is going to leave. But Jesus came and conquered death, liberated us from sin, and now Jesus, in God's redemptive, historical, beautiful romance of grace with his people, is sending the helper to you and I. And this is so good for us, church. And we must not miss why it is good that Jesus leaves. You see, if Jesus doesn't depart, I want us to think about this. If Jesus doesn't leave, if Jesus doesn't leave to go be with his father once again, imagine it's 2020 and Jesus is still here, then Jesus would be tied to the same exact limitations that you and I are. Church, you're here right now. You can be nowhere else between 9 and 10.30. Hopefully if the sermon doesn't run, run long, right? Um, the, tr the truth is we can't be anywhere else, church. But Jesus Christ, if he was still here in person, would be tied to the same limitations we are, time and place. If I wanted to follow after Jesus, I might have to pick up my bags and head to Indianapolis Airport, get in a plane and head to wherever he is, and just as the 12 did, pick, get, get ready to walk and follow after Jesus. You know, I've never been more uh, understanding of my own limitations of time and place when my wife and I just recently went to the state fairgrounds to go see the Christmas lights. Raise your hand if you ever, have any of you guys, anybody did that? Okay. All right, I would, I, would, I would definitely encourage you not. I'm about to tell you why. Uh, we, we spent three hours looking at headlights, not Christmas lights. And eventually, after three hours, we got to see the five minutes of the Christmas lights. And then we went on, and I think the most glorious moment for us was when the porta potties came around. Because three and a half hours, especially with a kid jumping all over the bladder, you know, going five miles an hour, it was a little bit miserable, to be completely honest with you. But the truth is, church, we wouldn't want Jesus to be limited. You see, what Christ did when he came to the earth is he put himself below the angels. He put himself even below men so that he'd come as a servant, serving the people. And that Jesus would come as the perfect Messiah for you and I. But those limitations are not something that Jesus would hope to continue on and keep. And it's not, it's not a physical Jesus that church we want. It's what the Holy Spirit provides for you and I is what we want. We now have access, because of the Holy Spirit's coming, we now have access to what the scriptures are gonna show us here in just a moment. It's not Christ in flesh, but Christ in us. And that is so much better and this is what Jesus is alluding to when he says, it is to your advantage that I must go. Romans 8.16 says this, when speaking of what the Spirit comes to accomplish, says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What is Jesus alluding to when he says it's to your advantage that the Holy Spirit comes? He says that the Spirit himself will bear witness to the things that I'm doing. So how do we actually fully understand who Jesus Christ is? Through the Holy Spirit who bears witness to us. Inside of us, through the Spirit. You see, church, through the Spirit, we are glorified in Christ through the Spirit. It's not the personal in, uh, interaction that we want, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit living inside of us, bearing witness to the things of God that Paul says was a mystery, and now it's been made clear to you through the Holy Spirit. You see, the impact of Jesus leaving, the impact of Jesus leaving is made awfully clear through the disciples' lives. I want us to think about this just for a moment. Once again, it is to your advantage, disciples, because he's speaking to disciples in the upper room. Think about the, 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 the disciples' lives before the Holy Spirit's coming. You ever read the Holy, or goodness, you ever read the disciples before the Holy Spirit came and you kind of begin to, I'm, you know, I'm, I think my faith's all right. I think I'm doing fine. I didn't deny, you know, uh, that I knew Jesus to a 12-year-old girl like Peter would do. Right? I didn't, I didn't ask all these questions. You see the disciples before the Holy Spirit coming asking why, what, when, where. Jesus, can it be me that sits at your right hand or does it have to be him? Am I the one you love the most? I, I, you know, I've been following you the most. Or what about, you know, is it James? Is it me? And you, they begin to ask all of these questions that I think I myself would probably be asking before the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2? We see extreme boldness in the disciples. We see a ruthless preaching of the gospel message even unto death. And we see a vast difference in the disciples before the Spirit or in after the Spirit. Church, the disciples got to walk beside Jesus Christ. The disciples got to hear Jesus preach the word of God. The disciples got to see miracles happen. And yet when it, they weren't as bold as they were until the Holy Spirit came. You ever think to yourself, man, if just Jesus was here right here with me, he'd be the perfect counselor, wouldn't he? Jesus, should I, should I marry her or should I not? And he's like, I don't know, I never dated. I never dated. No, I'm just kidding. But you see what happened? We do this with, 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 with I mean, I mean, if Jesus was right here and, and I saw him do the miracles, I would never doubt in my faith, never. You see, but the disciples, their lives prove that that's not true. That Jesus, when coming, he tells them, this is a very interesting point in scripture, that in the upper room discourse, he says, I'm going to the cross and yet, soon, you, I will be alone because you will disperse once I go to the cross. And what happens, church, when the disciples see that Jesus is going, they all go in hiding. But after the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, they go and begin to preach the word of God boldly, with clarity and confidence. The, the unlearned men, through the Spirit, the fishermen, the tax collector, they turned the world upside down because they understood the life, the mission, and the message of Jesus that the Spirit was swelling up in them, bearing witness to them. 
And church, I want to tell you something this morning. The Spirit of God does the same thing for you and I today. And that we cannot miss this. So first we understand the very message of Jesus. We understand that the message of Jesus was that he came as a baby and that he would come conquering sin in his life. That on the cross, through the message of Jesus, it was come and follow me, repent and believe that I am who I say I am. And now we see in Acts 4.20, Jesus comes and does all the things that he, he was promised to come and do. And Acts 4.20 says this. This is the disciples after the Holy Spirit. As for us, we, kinda, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The boldness of the disciples proves true what Jesus was alluding to. That is to your advantage. And church, I want you to know this today. Like I said, we can have the same access to the Spirit, that they had the confidence in the Spirit, that they had the, 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 the true message of Jesus that the Spirit was revealing to them. We have that. We can ask the Spirit to illuminate to us the Scriptures when we go and read it. You ever approach the Scriptures and you just feel not confident at all? Maybe you've done this before. You've read the Scriptures and you're like, nope, I'm closing that. I have no earthly idea what just happened. It's happened to me over and over and over. Church, let's ask the Holy Spirit. Just as you bore witness to Christ to me, would you illuminate the scriptures to me when I go to read them? We can have confidence when we approach the scriptures. We can ask the Spirit to help us to move from a state of fear to faith. Maybe there's a moment in your life that you're experiencing extreme fear. You can ask the Holy Spirit to give you confidence to move from fear to faith. Ask the Spirit to move in the lives of those we share the gospel with as the Holy Spirit is giving us the words to speak when we go and share the gospel. Church, it's such good news that we have the Holy Spirit. We can ask the Spirit to move and to make war in us with the sin that, we, that so easily entangles. The Spirit is to our advantage. And now that we understand what Christ came to accomplish Let's look quickly, is why is it such a benefit to now have the Holy Spirit? In Ezekiel 36, 26, God is revealing to Ezekiel the very goodness, the very goodness of what happens when salvation happens. And, and Ezekiel is, is prophesying this to the church of Israel. What's to come is salvation in the Lord. And Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, Speaking of salvation, speaking of renewal in Christ Jesus, speaking of following after the Lord, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Church, some of us in this room today have experienced going from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. You see what the Spirit of God does in and through us is he takes a stony heart un interested in the gospel message, unchanged by millions of sermons and worship services we've heard, uninterested in sharing the gospel with our neighbor. And he takes that stone and he turns it into flesh. And this is only the work of the Spirit of God in us. Without that, I'm still stuck with a heart of stone. 
But as God, the Holy Spirit, reveals to me the goodness of the Lord, my heart of stone turns to a heart of flesh. And it is my prayer that that we, as sinners stuck in our sin, go from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 37, the next chapter, we see this an immediate answer to this question of what does it mean to have a heart of stone? The Spirit will give us a heart of, uh, of flesh, what will soften our hearts, and that the Spirit of God will breathe life into us, and without life, or without the Spirit, we do not have life. Ezekiel 37, there's this story of Ezekiel prophesying to these dry bones in a valley. And the Lord tells Ezekiel, would you prophesy over them to come to life? And you hear the rattling of the bones and the flesh forming back around. And it says that an army of people is standing there. And it says, but yet they are not alive. They may be able to take their hand and put it up to their mouth and feel that they have breath. They may feel their knees and their bones and they once didn't have flesh as dead now come back to life and they've got the flesh and bones and their hair is back and they may be able to have breath come out of their mouth but what it says in Ezekiel is the Lord said, now breathe the life of the spirit in them. And it says, now they are alive. You see church, the, the importance, the benefit of the Holy Spirit is that we have a lot of people walking around in this world who can feel flesh and bone. We have a lot of people who can take their hand up to their mouth and feel that there's breath coming out, but are not alive in Christ Jesus. And what the Holy Spirit does for you and I is he bears witness to the beautiful, magnificent work of Christ. And why Christmas is so beautiful for us is we celebrate that I put my hope and trust in the manger scene. I put my hope and trust in the cross of Christ. And I put my hope and trust that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness about Jesus to me now. You see, Jesus departs from the earth so that the kingdom of God would spread throughout all the nations. That the Spirit of God would go from the twelve to the world. And that's what the Spirit of God does for you and I. I'm going to read our verse one more time as we begin to close this morning. John 16, verse 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, and concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We understand that Jesus came to accomplish hope, love, joy, fulfill the Old Testament prophets, that the Holy Spirit now comes to bear witness about that coming Jesus to our heart of stone and into a heart of flesh. And now let's look at specifically what does it mean for you and I now to live boldly, confidently, and with clarity in the Holy Spirit in this verse, uh, in, in this passage, it says that the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit will do one, three things. First, he will con- bring the conviction of sin. Second, will bring the conviction of righteousness. And third, he will also bring the victory of judgment. Now let me stop here just for a moment. I alluded this, to this earlier. 
I understand for all, all of us in this room that we had a tumultuous, hard year of life. That some of us lost loved ones. Some of us, you know, for me specifically, I just had Christmas over FaceTime. I know a lot of us are, have been living in the tension. But this morning, what the Holy Spirit does for you and I is greater than any of, that, of those things. And I want us to look at that first and foremost. You see that the first thing that the, the Holy Spirit does is to come bringing the conviction of sin. Jesus says that the Spirit's going to come convicting of sin and bringing to us, understanding for us, what is the biggest and greatest evil in this world is what the Spirit comes to convict us of. And that is if we do not proclaim Jesus as King. You see, what the Holy Spirit does in us is it convicts us of not having a heart that proclaims Jesus as king. It isn't if my political head doesn't get elected. That's not the greatest evil. It isn't if I did or did not get that job. That is not the greatest evil. It isn't civil unrest. That is not the greatest evil in this world. The greatest evil church that we must remember that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of is us not saying that Jesus is king. And the Spirit comes to convict the world of that great evil. And sometimes I think, church, it's easy for you and I to get so swallowed up by our storm, our local storm here, and not be able to see outside. The greatest evil is that Jesus isn't proclaimed. It's not if Tuesday comes. It's not if civil unrest happens. Although it's horrible. And I want you to think about, about what the Spirit of God does in and through us, swelling us up and bringing us about the greatest righteousness as we're going to become here. As we understand the greatest evil is not proclaiming the Lord as king, the most right thing in the world is proclaiming him as king. But the world has a different approach. Take, for example, a sociologist. What can a sociologist do for you and I? A sociologist can explain a culture and even begin to pinpoint some of its issues. A, a sociologist can take a, 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 you know, a picture of a college campus and say, you know what, your biggest problem is the alcohol intake. And it, that needs fixed. But you know what the sociologist cannot do? Provide the greatest answer that that college campus needs. You know, we have a politician, and a politician can begin to write laws and begin to enact them and put them into place. But they cannot provide the thing that we ultimately need. A wealth of money in one's pocket that can begin to feel like self-righteousness, begin to feel like comfortability, but it cannot provide what the church most needs and that is Jesus Christ. You see, it's kind of like an MRI. The, the, the world takes a picture of our world, and just like an MRI does for my knee, I, unfortunately, me and the MRI are kind of one and the same. We're just buddy-buddy at this point, okay? We've spent many, many hours together with my two knees, my two backs, my four shoulders. Yeah, four shoulders, my two wrists. I have spent plenty of time in the MRI, and you know how many times I walked out of the MRI healed? Never. It can tell me what is wrong. It cannot fix it. And our world approaches just the same. 
I can tell you what's wrong. I can tell you that this isn't right. I cannot provide for you the thing that is most right. And that is if we proclaim King Jesus today. You see, the helper isn't coming to fix our 2020 issues. He's coming to bear witness to us about the work of Jesus Christ. Let us not forget that. Let us not forget that truth. And I know it's hard with this scope on and what's going on around us. Like I said, the first thing he does, the spirit comes to convict in us of the greatest evil, and that's not proclaiming Jesus. And the second thing he does is the spirit will reveal what is most right to us. In verse 10, it says, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning righteousness. So first he came and convicted us of sin. Now he wants to show us what's the true north. What is the true hope and trust that we may have? Peter and Paul and uh, have experienced this Holy Spirit. And, 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 and it, it's true here, and it shows us in Colossians 1.27, there's, there's just ex- New Testament examples of this. It says, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of, his, of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. What's the hope of glory? Christ in us through the Spirit. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, what happens when we understand what is most wrong in the world and we proclaim what is most right in the world? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I cannot do it on my own. And boy, I've tried time and time again. But Jesus is telling the disciples, it's to your advantage because I know you can't do it on your own. John 15, 26 and 27, the, 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 the verses leading into the chapters we sat in today, John 16 says this, 15, 26 through 27, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Here, Jesus is asking the disciples to do the very thing all believers are called to do. Once again, is to proclaim the life, mission, and message of Jesus that Jesus ushered his kingdom to this earth through his sinless life. The mission is to call all believers and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the message is that Jesus came preaching a repentance and a belief. The third thing that the Spirit does, now that we understand he comes to convict us of what is most wrong, he provides for us the truth of what is most right, better than anything this world can provide. The third thing he does might be the sweetest thing that he does. The Spirit calls us to proclaim the victory has been won because the enemy has been judged. Verse 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus hadn't even gone to the cross yet and he's proclaiming victory over the enemy. The Spirit of God living within us allows for joy, peace, patience, kindness, even in tumultuous times, even in struggling times, even in 2020 times, because we know that the victory has been won in Jesus Christ. And I can stand upon that victory as we sang earlier. And church, this can't be something that just happens for us on a Sunday. 
This can't be something that we think about between 9 and 1045 on a Sunday because Jesus, following after Jesus Christ, built, lifted up and swelling up in us the Holy Spirit of the truths of Jesus as he illuminates the scriptures to us, as he reminds us to tell other people about Jesus, as he calls us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can only do that with understanding that the Spirit of God gives us power in him. This ought not be a Sunday morning's deal. You see, church, now we are the family of God because of the Spirit. You see, this Jesus is, is, is providing to the 12 what is, what is to come, and now the Spirit of God disperses it over the world. And church, we are now that family. Acts 2, 5 to 11, we're gonna close here. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. This is when the Spirit of God comes for the first time. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes is it brings the family of God from all different tongues, all different races, all different nations, and says they will be the ones who proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Let's not miss that this morning. And I know it's easy. I know it's easy to forget. And church, as the Spirit of God swells in us, we must guard ourselves from devouring one another in this hard time. We must guard ourselves from forgetting what's most right in this world. If our Facebook page looks like the world, if we cower at the opportunity to uphold truth within conversations, if we know every aspect of our culture but haven't opened our scripture, we begin to look like the world. And the Holy Spirit did not come for us to look like the world. I'm going to close with three application questions and three responses for us this morning. Here are three application questions. I just think it's good to ask ourselves. When understanding, why did Christ have to leave? He had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and fill us up and bear witness about the work of the Son into my heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh so that I might, I know, might know the goodness of the Lord. Three questions we can ask is, how serious have we been about our relationship with Jesus and a reliance on the Spirit each day? How serious in 2020, although I know it's confusing hard, but the gospel brings clarity and boldness. How are we defining what's most wrong in our lives through our actions? How do we make clear what is most right in our lives in upholding that? Understand that the gospel can be proclaimed through our actions and words every single day. And church, here are three responses for us. 
First, we live as believers fully reliant on the Spirit of God to reveal to us the sin in our own lives, asking and praying for that to be uprooted and taken. Lord, I understand that I have a finite view, but Lord, would you uproot things in me that are not of you? That's the work of the Spirit. The second thing, we live as believers that not or that even though we do sin, the righteousness of Christ is more than enough for us. And this leaves us at a place of full surrender and praise. And our lives become not of my own, but of Christ. Lastly, we live as believers confident in the Holy Spirit, bold and clear on the mission of the church, that the mission of the church has on this earth and the victory that has already been won. Jesus came telling the disciples, I'm going to bring something that is to your advantage, that gives you boldness and clarity and courageousness, not cowardness. And church, I want to remind you this morning that we can rely on the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to find our boldness, to find the truth of Jesus Christ and proclaim it to the world. That's our hope. Let me pray for us. Dear Father God, thank you so much that we have the Spirit of God in us so that we may be, our, our, our heart will be turned from a heart of stone and be turned to a heart of flesh in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we do not rely on ourselves, but we fully rely on you. Lord, would you begin to teach us what it is like to live a life that is Christ in us and boldly proclaiming that to the world. God, let us not focus our eyes at our feet, but let us focus our eyes at the heavens, knowing that you are where we, try, we, we find our true hope. And Jesus, as we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus for the second time, Give us the confidence to stand firm in you here and now. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.